Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, Sat Managing Editor, FightfulWrestling.com. My pictures behind me are crooked, Jimmy. I got to fix those. It's October 16th. It's the list and your boy. Leave a thumbs up. Make sure you guys subscribe. We got shows all the time. Jimmy, what's going on? Are you sure that it's not just the foundation is off level? And, and it, so... is, it is off level, legitimately. This, oh, it is. This is on a slant, yeah. So I the... have to have a carpet underneath this chair or else I'm rolling this way. So the pictures aren't unlevel. The house is unlevel. Yes, correct. Okay, I got it. That's interesting. Correct. That's interesting. Well, we're doing this on October 16th. I have a lot of stuff on uh, the list this week, and I always hate coming on the show and being negative, but like you and I talked about off the air, WWE programming kind of makes you negative, Sean. You know? Uh, it can. It certainly can. It can. But I'm going to try my... But with a more formatted Fox type of vibe. Like you had an MLB player cutting a promo on Booker T, and then Booker T just tearing him a new one really? in a promo like it was a lot of fun and okay. the player was a really good sport you had triple h breaking news on there uh you had some interviews you even had renee young cutting promos at the end they had the panelists cut promos and they were very very fun very loose uh it was it was a good time i liked it well we've talked about this before i am a a, a long fan of renee paquette and uh, I think that she is in her element. And I'm going to call her Renee Paquette because she's Renee Paquette. And I've watched her on the score for years. Uh, but she is in her element in that type of a show. And again, I didn't get to watch it. But she's she's she is probably the best host that WWE has had since Jean, Mean Gene Okerlund in that, in that type she, of role. She may be one of the best hosts in sports, period. Yes. That's how good she is. She's I agree. Phenomenal. She is really good and they're very lucky to have her because you know that there's a certain wrestling company that would love to get their hands on her. So, uh, and something tells me they would call her Renee Paquette if they hired her too, Sean. 
Yeah. Call it a hunch. CZW. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's cool. Now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves when it comes to breaking down the WWE draft because we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of that in a little bit. Uh, but because it's timely, I think we should talk about it first. So on WWE Backstage last night, they announced their blockbuster trade. So can you believe that in the build-up to this, they referred to it as a blockbuster trade, and that is verbatim what they said. And then I, I will say, yes, I can believe it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So they said they're going to do a blockbuster trade, and then they announced Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to SmackDown for future considerations, Sean. For future considerations. So what they did was, first they made themselves look dumb because they said it would be a blockbuster trade. Then they made the USA executives that supposedly chose Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross look like morons because they wasted two picks in order to get one act, and then they shipped them for future considerations that will probably they'll never, probably never get a payoff on. Which, which means, yeah, which means they're going to forget about it. Yes. And they'll never talk about it. Because here's no. the thing. Like, Triple H said, oh, there's some draft picks in there. And I'm like, what What do you mean by that? Do you mean, like, because previous years, well, let's remember how the drafts went. Uh, the first draft of each brand split was selecting people consecutively and all that. All the other drafts were done, like, like a freaking raffle, man. Like, it's at random and who you get is who you get. Now, if the next draft comes along and they say, well, instead of switching uh, three for two like they did this year, SmackDown gets more picks than Raw, then okay. That would make sense because of that trade. But I don't expect them to pay this off because they never do. And that's my baseline for enjoying pro wrestling. That's my, my bare minimum. Yep. Make sense of something. And I wrote a column about it being overly optimistic about the possibility of the situation. I'm like, this is their chance for a reset. It's their chance to just make sense of things. Mm -hmm. It's a draft. Then you pick Humberto Carrillo. All due respect to Humberto Carrillo. I, if you've watched main roster TV, you've maybe seen him wrestle once. You've never heard him yeah. talk. I don't think you don't ever. Have a goddamn clue who he is. Yeah. AOP didn't get picked. Former tag champion. Cesaro didn't get picked. Nope. Rey Mysterio out there looking like ball ball in the, <laughs> in the 47th round. Yeah, Sad. well, let's let's talk about some other news first uh, because I think there's stuff that's kind of you know higher on the pecking order than the draft. We'll get back to the draft. But one more thing about the draft. So, again, we're doing this on October 16. Today on uh, WWE's online show called The Bump, which I don't watch because it's really dumb. Uh, but on that show today, they actually announced SmackDown has signed free agents – uh, including Luke Harper, Cesaro, uh, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Dana Brooke, and Drake Maverick. And Raw has signed free agents. No Way Jose, Mojo Rawley, Sarah Logan, the iconic Zack Ryder, and Kurt Hawkins. And we'll get into it again in a bit, but it's so silly that these guys are much more talented and they have much more notoriety so than some of the guys that were chosen in the draft, making the USA and Fox executives look like just complete plugs. Uh, but then the actors they hired made them look like plugs anyway. But uh, but that was that. I want to I want to start today with kind of the news of the week, I guess. Eric Bischoff. Uh, now WWE announced yesterday, October fifteenth, in a press release that Bruce Pritchard is replacing Eric Bischoff as the executive vice president of SmackDown. Uh, we have the little press release blurb. You have that, Brady. There you go. WWE names Bruce Pritchard executive director of SmackDown, replacing Eric Bischoff. Says in the second paragraph there. Now. 
Sean, you and I are not geniuses, and we're also not the only ones. When when Bischoff was hired four months ago, we're not the only ones that said it's a real head scratcher of a decision. Uh, couldn't understand really why they made that decision. A lot of others kind of questioned it too. So in that regard, it's really not a surprise that he was released. Um, I think before I kind of go into my little rant here, I'll ask you what all of you heard about the Bischoff thing. Did he move to Stanford? Was he in corporate housing? Uh, all of that. Tell me what, everything that you heard first. So first off, speak for yourself on the not being a genius thing. Uh, second off, yeah, he. I'm, I'm heard he's stuck with a lease. What? Yeah, most people get corporate housing. Yeah. Uh, pretty now. Now I, I got to say, I've been talking to people close to Bischoff and people on the talent end of things, and that, that's what I've heard. I, I can't confirm that. I don't have a copy of the man's lease or alleged lease or anything, but woof, man, it's rough. Uh, it was not like I had some people speculate, oh, maybe it's a, a Bischoff call. No, it was not a Bischoff call. And people oh, close absolutely to Bischoff, not. Yeah, people close to Bischoff seem to think he was some sort of fall guy. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but there were a lot of talent he wasn't familiar with. I, I had heard a couple stories about him like talking to a producer and then the producer saying, Hey, you shouldn't say that around. And that maybe he was like, Oh, who? And there was a wrestler nearby. Then again, I had also heard that he was one of the guys that was high on Ali and that he like, he seemed to like Ali. Uh, I was also told that Bischoff wasn't that hands-on and that Bruce Pritchard is very hands-on. Mm. However, Bruce Pritchard does have that preconceived reputation of being a Vince McMahon guy, being a yes man and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know Bischoff moved in mid-July. He even gave up like he would appear on After Buzz. Yeah. They did a post-show for his podcast. He stopped appearing on that. There was just a lot of confusion about his role among talent. Yeah. There were some talent that, that, that told me that he would solicit them for ideas and that they were told to go to him with their ideas. And this ranges from guys who aren't on TV to guys who are heavily featured, uh, girls as well. Uh, and th there was one person that said that they kind of overheard him being like, I don't know if this is what I signed up for, uh, based on some of the late meetings and stuff that could be taken completely out of context or at least somewhat out of context. So don't exactly quote me on that, but that is something that I, I was told. And, uh, he was subject to the Vincent man tirade just like everybody else. But yeah, well, you know what? The building I mean, for weeks with all due respect, Eric Bischoff. Um, and again, we, we talked about this four months ago when they announced that they'd hired him. We questioned why would this man hire this guy for multiple m multitude of reasons. Bischoff, by his own admission, had not kept, ta kept tabs on the current wrestling landscape. He had admitted that. He hadn't kept tabs on, on any of the product, didn't know a, little, a lot of who, who the, the current talents were, current storylines. He hadn't really had success in pro wrestling in 20 years since his days in WCW. Uh, his impact run was a, a forgettable disaster. The only thing that I could think of at the time to warrant his hiring was that he had experience dealing with network executives. And so, you know, I thought maybe he could help them navigate the waters with Fox. Outside of that, it just didn't make, you know, any sense to me why they would hire him. And by all accounts, as you just kind of alluded to, it didn't seem like he was a fit in WWE. Uh, his first hire, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, fell asleep on the job his first day and was, and was found by Michael Hayes asleep in one of the writer's rooms even months that, that's a true story too and even months later you and i would do this podcast and i would say sean is eric bischoff involved in the creative yet of smackdown and you say i don't think so you know what i mean 
Like I, I've I, had, I had people say, like, talk about his role from, yeah, he solicited ideas to I didn't have any interaction with him at all. And uh, one person said, as far as I'm concerned, he was a guy in a suit next to Vince McMahon. And but that person also isn't a wrestler, so it's you know different people will experience different roles. For example, I mean, there's a giant portion of our staff who has never interacted with you personally. There's a giant portion of your staff who have never interacted with me personally. So different people who have different roles will interact with different people. But yeah, WWE did confirm to me shortly thereafter that Bischoff was completely gone from the company. That's that's wild. I mean, fortunately for him, he does have that podcast to fall back on, and yep. the Starcast appearance was. Hey, that's good for Starcast. That's a nice shot in the arm for them, especially considering their theme. But. Yeah, except uh. that you know they they used a photo of him from twenty five years ago, but uh, maybe that would maybe that was they did part that of the for point. everybody. Oh, all right, I I didn't pay enough attention. Now I I hate to repeat what I said last week on this podcast, but on the heels of this Eric Bischoff news, I have to repeat it. In twenty nineteen, at seventy four years of age, Vince McMahon is a liability to WWE. And people don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. In 2019, he is a liability to WWE. I think that the reason that he hired Eric Bischoff is because he remembered Eric Bischoff from 30 years ago as his arch rival uh, in the Monday Night War. That's why I think he hired him. He remembered Eric Bischoff as that cutthroat guy that gave away the results of the tape shows uh, and told people what's coming up next and all that kind of stuff. That's the Eric Bischoff he remembered. I don't think Vince had any idea that Bischoff did not keep up with the product, had a very unforgettable, you know, disastrous run with Impact Wrestling, uh, and hadn't done anything in recent years aside from a podcast. I just don't think he really knew or understood, and that's why he put him in. The same reason he put Heyman in charge of Raw. Now, granted, Heyman had already been part of the company, but I think he put him in charge of Raw because, okay, Eric was my rival in WCW. Heyman was my rival in ECW 30 years ago. Boom. It's, it seemed like that's what it was, right? That's that's how it came off to me. Yeah. Which which means only one thing, Jimmy. Yeah. That when Bruce Pritchard ends up stepping down, Dixie Carter will take over SmackDown. Right. <laughs> I mean, that could happen. And you know what? I said 30 years ago. I'm wrong. It's more like 20 years ago. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's – uh, Everybody could see it coming, man. And and how many times with Vince McMahon over the last year have we said that? Everybody could see it coming except Vince McMahon. And, yep. and this is yet another example. He is a liability to WWE in 2019. That is a fact. I bet you Triple H knows it. I bet you he knows it. I'm sure he uh, does. But he knows his place in the pecking order. And he also knows where his bread is buttered. And he's going to toe the company line. He damn well knows it. And uh, I guess we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, let's talk about SmackDown now. Well, well hold on. Let's, let's talk about these super chats that we have. Okay, sure. Uh, by the way, guys, if you want your question or comment read on the air, donate a super chat any amount. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, you can do this. Also, leave a thumbs up and subscribe. But, hey, if you want to ask as many questions as you want for just – I think it starts out at $5 – Damn, what what a deal. And what we're deal. and let me tell you guys, if you're not a member of Select, we've blown up in the last couple weeks. Like it's doing pretty yeah. well now. It, it there's always things that we see and I'm like, man, if we could just break through somehow. Like we know the content is there. It's just a matter of like the masses discovering it. Mm. Masses discovered Select over the last 2 weeks, yeah. but every couple of weeks I do a uh, Fightful Select Q&A. I do at least 2 of them a month. I answered over 100 questions on last week's show. And once we get to a certain level of subscribers, I'm going to do them every week. And I'm telling you guys, I don't care if they're 10 minutes long or two hours long. I'll do all the questions. That's one of the the prime attractions. And 
as of right now, Alex is doing two episodes of Sour Graps a week. Uh, a lot of you are like, hey, we miss Alex on the post-show review. <laughs> we want people to, to just be sour about everything. Well, he's going to give you just a full glass of that concentrated it's funny because the glass glass isn't half to, half empty with him. It's all the way empty. Oh, yeah. But then he just pours that sour grap juice, <laughs> fills it up, double fists it. Two episodes of sour graps per week over on Fightful Select. Uh, Ace Nation Podcast says, can't believe they didn't trade the Fiend to Raw. Vince McMahon needs to go. It's time for the board to step in. They Are can. New Japan and WWE working together? Uh, I don't know about the New Japan WWE thing, but there is some big uh, Japan news coming this week. I've been me, teasing it for a while. Let me say one thing in, in, in terms of the board. So last I checked, because I don't check regularly, but last I checked, Vincent Mann had 80% voting power. Yes. Uh, he's not going anywhere unless he wants to. That's how it yeah, is. Yeah, and uh, we also have T. Smitty 3000 saying, besides Adam Cole, the other NXT champs are boring. There's so much star potential with Bianca Belair and Velveteen Dream, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, I think it's time to move on past Shayna Baszler. I think they, I mean, she's had an amazing run. Yep. Good for her. I love Undisputed Era as champions. I think they're awesome. I think they fit. I think they're just appropriately obnoxious. I don't find them boring at all. Yeah, I mean, one I, was, sorry, sorry I, was, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, that's obviously the story they were going for. They wanted to put all the belts in Undisputed Era. Uh, yeah. I think Velveteen Dream has bigger fish to fry, and I think that when he wins his next title, it's going to be the title. Not, yeah. the, not the North American title again. Justin Wally says, hey, guys, I think The Fiend should have strapped or chained Rollins to the cell wall like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> then had the cell lifted to end the show. Thoughts? I, I would think that after you all see Jimmy crucify me every week that you all would be tired of that type of imagery. Right. Yeah, there is no chance in this era, even though it's pay-per-view and not part of Fox or USA, no chance they're doing that. They got he heat over the taker thing with Austin. What was that? Twenty years ago. I mean, yeah, uh, they they had to ECW had to send Raven out to apologize. Yeah. Yes. Now, did granted, you ever hear? Now, I was going to say, granted, in that case, not only did he crucify uh, Dreamer, whoever it was, but he put the uh, Sandman. Sandman, yeah, but he put the crown of barbed wire on his head, which like took yeah. it the extra mile. But uh, yeah, did you ever hear what Sandman said about that? No, no. They were like, they asked you to go apologize, right? And he. Raven did, but I didn't. It wasn't even Easter yet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, they they would not uh, they would not do that that spot. Um, any more super chats, or, or can I continue? That's it. All right, uh, Brady. I can't recall. Did I give you the ratings graphic? Uh, yeah, you did. Okay, throw that up. I want to talk about SmackDown ratings because I want to I want to kill a couple of uh, misconceptions here a little bit. So these are the ratings for last week. 2.877 million viewers for SmackDown and a 1.0 in the adults 18 to 49. I saw a few hot takes on social media when this came out talking about, oh my God, what a disaster, what a disaster. Uh, because the rating was down about a million viewers from their premiere. The uh, key demo rating was down, uh, I, I think, a quarter from uh, from the premiere. So I just wanted to kind of put things into perspective a little bit for people. So first and foremost, are these numbers good? No, they're not good. But are these numbers a disaster? No, they're not. And I want to read a quote 
this is from Michael Mulvihill. He's the executive vice president of Fox Sports. He spoke to Sports Illustrated last week. They talked about the numbers, and here's a quote from him. He said, without putting a precise number to it, we have an opportunity to be maybe double what we have been doing on Fox on Friday nights, which is $1.2 million. I'd like to think that we can be meaningfully bigger than what the show was averaging on USA, which was more like $2.2 million. So when I hear that, that tells me that 2.877 million is still fine for Fox. I had heard that 1.0 was the target demo, uh, and they hit the 1.0. So the good news is they maintain the targets. The bad news is I don't see any outcome, at least in the short term, except for the numbers continuing to drop. Uh, yeah. and, and that's going to be the bad news for the show. So for week two, they still did okay. I don't think the Bischoff firing was necessarily uh, him being the scapegoat. Because uh, I think that the numbers are still okay, but I see no reason why they're going to even be able to maintain this level. I think they're going to be at two, three, two, four within the next several weeks, if not this Friday. Uh, and the question is going to be that 1.0. Can they maintain that 1.0? I don't know. That's that's going to be a question. But in terms of was the week two numbers a complete disaster? No, they still maintain their targets. Yeah, I agree. Uh, n- not the end of the world. Right. It could be a few weeks from now. Uh, yeah. But they're still okay. Okay, Sean, the draft. Let's get into the draft. Um, <sighs> I wanted I wanted to like it, man. I wanted to like it. And your side told me it all. <laughs> your side told me it all, man. I go into this stuff wanting to be optimistic. I mean, occasionally, like, WWE bootlicker Twitter will come at me. But, man, I wanted it to be good. It's such an easy opportunity for a reset. Yeah, like, I, I felt like they dropped the ball. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, we'll talk a few reasons why. So first and foremost, they had said going in that there were going to be 30 wrestlers eligible to be drafted on SmackDown and 41 wrestlers eligible to be drafted on Raw. And they said that after SmackDown went off the air, whoever was not drafted would be deemed a free agent. And then after Raw went off the air, the pool of that 41 wrestlers, whoever was not drafted, would be a free agent. And that's what they said. But then what did they do? And Cesaro, after SmackDown, even posted on Twitter, free agent, because he wasn't drafted. But then what did they do? They did a supplemental draft on WWE.com after the show went off the air. Didn't tell anyone they were going to do a supplemental draft. So so that was the first thing that was very confusing. Uh I really liked the fact that instead of using general managers or authority figures, they made it USA and Fox executives. I really like that. I thought that was unique. That was different. That was creative. But then what did they do? They turned what was, I thought, a really interesting you know, way of doing it into a, a, a clown college by having these two war rooms full of really bad actors, very clearly bad actors. One guy in the USA war room, Sean, he had Ultimate Warrior face paint on sitting at the table. The Fox room had that stupid robot. The guy do dressed up in a robot. The, do you think that the guy in the warrior face paint was like, all right, no gays, no cripples, nobody with cancer. We're not drafting any of them. <laughs> they, <laughs> I appreciate None it. of them. I pre- <laughs> it don't make the world work. It don't make our world wrestling entertainment work. Yeah, what do you say? Queer, queering, whatever? I, I yes. forget the quote. It doesn't matter. And then, then he used a racial slur against yeah. a woman wearing a turban. Now let's talk now let's or, uh, talk about yeah. let's talk about one of the first ironies of this draft. 
So we talk a lot about how this man is just, he's tone deaf now. He, he's out of touch with his audience and he's a liability and all of that. Wasn't it ironic that when the draft pools were first released, so last week, WWE.com released the draft pools, meaning here's the 30 guys that, that are available, 30 guys and girls that are available for SmackDown. Here's the 41 that are available for Raw. When they released the draft pools, and WWE.com put up the SmackDown draft pool, they ended up drafting those wrestlers almost in the exact order of the it, draft it pool. Was. It was. I think they the changed a couple, didn't they? Didn't they change a couple? Well, they, did, they did when they realized. When they realized. They did when they realized. I got word straight from backstage. Right. Oh, it's going to deviate. And I'm like, it's going to deviate. And the person that told me was like, yeah, by like one. Isn't that unbelievable? So is it true that the mandate or the memo was put them in alphabetical order, but then the person for the website didn't? Don't know about that, but I'll okay. tell you what. I had talent that I reached out to during the show, and I was like, hey, you realize what they're doing, right? And they're like, pardon my language. I'm trying to cut the F-bombs out. They go, are you fucking kidding me? They've been kayfaving us all week, and they sent this to you two days ago, right. and it was the exact order. Right. They were – and they, I get it. They're afraid, and they got it too. The talent that said that, they get it too. They didn't want it to be leaked because obviously they're talking to somebody like me. Right. But – I mean that that's the thing like and quite honestly last week I was hitting up wrestlers and saying listen not ask on I just want to know if you know what brand you're going to be on and all of them said no yeah, well, I mean, you know what? The, the main thing coming into the draft for me, and we'll, and we'll talk in a minute about how nonsensical a lot of the picks were, but the main thing for me coming out of the draft was how uneventful it felt and how unimportant it felt watching the show. It, it felt so unimportant to me and so uneventful. They had Stephanie McMahon out there doing the whole thing. She would do five picks at a time. Uh, it made it feel like pick number one was really no more important than pick number 20 because they just would rhyme them off one after the other. They would hit their music for five seconds. Nobody even came out to play the crowd. Just one to two to three to four to five. Like da-da-da-da-da. You know what I mean? It felt so unimportant. Uh, they had pre-taped clips from the from the personalities, so Fox personalities on SmackDown, USA personalities, uh, and NBC personalities for Raw, and they were so cynical and jokey. You could tell they didn't know shit about WWE. I think it was the Fox NFL guys. They were talking about Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Like, they were so out to lunch on the current product, and it was almost embarrassing and cringy because they were clearly not in, not uh, not uh, informed on the current product. So I wasn't a fan of that. And then the other thing I question is, why Stephanie? You know what I mean? They had the opportunity to use whoever. They could have brought out former wrestling stars. They could have had Steve Austin pick one. They could have had Hulk Hogan pick one. They could have had Miss Man and Triple H out there. They could have made it more important by having these guys out there. Instead, they had Stephanie stand out there for every round, and the fourth pick goes to Raw, and the fifth pick goes to SmackDown. It felt so unimportant that by, like, the third round, I didn't care anymore, Sean. I didn't care. Well, I, I didn't care once I saw how ridiculous it was, like that the women's champion wasn't being picked till the second or third round. And right, yeah. Like the U.S. or the Intercontinental Champion wasn't picked until later on. I'm like, all right, you're just cool with that. And then you find out that picking a champion doesn't really mean anything because both of the top champions are going to defend the titles against people who aren't on either any brand or, or on another brand. Yeah. What? what are you picking then? Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, they had said going in that it was supposed to be like real sports, 
right? And in real sports, you pick the best talent available. That's that's how drafts work in real sports. And they would have these war rooms with these supposed really bad acting executives that would be all pissed off when you know the other one picked somebody that they you know supposedly wanted. But then at the same time, they were doing things like Lacey Evans over Kevin Owens, uh, Natalia over the Viking Raiders. Like they chose her over the Viking Raiders, who then went on and and they won the tag team titles. They picked uh, Alexa and Nikki separately. For, for, for the Raw brand, even though they were listed together, meaning that you wasted a pick because you picked them separately when you could pick them together. Then you then you traded them for future considerations, which is even more for awesome. jack shit. Yeah, and, and, you know, and then again, you look at guys that weren't picked. Uh, Cesaro wasn't picked. Luke Harper wasn't picked. Manny AOP. Rose, AOP, Manny Rose, Sonya Deville. So they essentially overlooked that talent in favor of Jinder Mahal, in yeah. favor of Humberto Carrillo, uh, Carrillo like, like you just said. And I could see – I would love like an explanation. I would love just like an explanation. That's why I think every week there should be like a, a five-minute Corey Graves thing. Like the – like you remember how Vince Russo used to do the Vic Venom Insider thing in, ma- in the magazine? Right. Yep. I think Graves should do that as like the, the journalist type of thing. And he's like, well, I heard they picked Humberto Carrillo because he's 23 years old. He looks like a million bucks. They think he has high upside. And they got word that, that SmackDown was going to pick him first or that SmackDown was going to pick him in this round, and that's why they did it. The, I loved when they said Samoa Joe fell because he was hurt. That's why he fell in, in the draft, because he was injured and a lot of people worried. Right. But then that doesn't necessarily explain why Drew McIntyre got picked so high. Is his stock so high that they believe in him? I, I would love some explanations on that, anything. Now, there there are some people that are like, oh, just, just who cares? <laughs> You're taking this too seriously. Yeah, a baseline for my enjoyment of pro wrestling is sense. Yes. That's it. If it's not anybody else's, that's fine. I don't really give a shit. It's my baseline for enjoying wrestling. I agree with that, too. And, again, we always talk about how the fans know. Like, they, they understand what's going on. They read the Internet. They know. The fans know that Baron Corbin is one of the corporate favorites. They know it. They know that Baron Corbin is one of the guys that Vince likes, which is why he's always put over in you know tournaments and gets titles and everything. And so, how silly did it look, or how you know almost humorous was it that Baron Corbin on uh, night two for Raw was chosen twenty fourth, and that people like Jinder Mahal and Akira Tozawa were chosen ahead of him, and he just won the King of the Ring, and they showcase him on television every week, but they picked him after Jinder Mahal, Akira Tozawa, Eric Rowan, and Carmella. Watching that again, and I'm not a big Baron Corbin fan. I think that he's definitely, you know, he's made strides in the ring and everything, but he's definitely a bigger name than those people. Sure. So, so in terms of the best talent available, you chose Akira Tozawa over Baron Corbin. Just from a logic standpoint, you'd watch that thinking all of those executives in both of those wardrooms, they should all be fired. You know what I mean? They should wipe out both of them because they clearly don't have an eye for talent if that's, what they're, if that's uh, how they're picking. Yeah, and I've heard that there was some legit jockeying for certain talent by certain brands or USA and Fox rather. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. But there were there were stuff that they weren't sure on about these rosters as recently as I think the last couple of days. But my God, man! Like the thing is, it they've bastardized the brand split so bad over the last like 10, 11 months. It yeah. started with the NXT call-ups, Jimmy, and it continued when one, they weren't on TV, not they weren't on TV. Then when they were on TV, they were on both brands. Then they did the superstar shakeup and they had 
No clue. Now, here, here a person told me, <clears throat> Dave Schilling sent me a, tw- a tweet that said, oh, it wasn't hastily planned. And I was like, it was hastily executed. Uh, ask Andrade, who was on every show every week because they didn't know what brand he they, they were going to have him on. Then they had to switch him. Then they realized yeah. somebody was dating this person. They had to switch him again. Yeah. Then they were like, wild card rule. All right. Okay. But uh, from what I've heard, Fox does – Fox is specific about wanting brand separation. And good. There should be. Yes, there should be. I, I totally agree. And I also think that they should – This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just work trades as time goes on. Like if you want to treat these as as sports with two separate rosters, what's wrong with doing the occasional trade to freshen things up? Instead, I, I love right? it. Yeah, like they should do that. And if they do that, maybe they can even explain the Alexa Nikki thing by having someone get traded to back to Raw in exchange for that. You know what I mean? Now I that, want that's that's a get out of jail free card in the future for them. If right. they want to switch somebody to Raw, the immediate thing you have to say is. That was the future considerations. Right. I agree. I agree. I want to say a couple things about Raw this week. Uh, First, I'll touch upon the quick one, and then if you want, we can dig deep into the bigger one. The first one was one thing I liked about Raw this week was that they showcased mid-level and -and up-and-coming talent. They put them in showcase matches against, as you like to say, a good hand uh, or utility players. They had Aleister Black against Eric Young. They had Ricochet against Shelton Benjamin. They had the Kabuki Warriors against Italian Lacey Evans. Now, I don't look at Lacey Evans as a utility player. I still see a star in Lacey Evans. But Natty, I think, is kind of at the point of her career now where she's a veteran. She's kind of been there, done that. Uh, And if she's okay with this role of being essentially a glorified enhancement, then I think it could be a good spot for her. And same thing for Eric Young and Shelton Benjamin. I don't know if if they're cool with that role. On, on, on an ongoing basis, but if they are, I would I would uh, make a spot for them on television. I wrote an article last week for uh, FIFOSelect.com called The WWE Fix, and one of the things that I said they should do is have tiers of talent with the bottom tier being utility players that utilize to make the other guys look good, and this is essentially what they did with, uh, with Shelton Benjamin and Eric Young. I'm cool with it, man. You've got to make guys look strong. They don't get anybody over anymore. You know what I mean? Nobody. So I'm... That's, I'm, that's a problem. That's a problem. If you... Yeah. You gotta have stars, yes, man. And so I, I was I've noticed that. I've noticed a resurgent one. NBA is as popular as I've seen it since I was a kid. Toronto They've Raptors. got stars. They've got stars. I've seen more baseball talk in the last year or two than I have since I was a little kid. They've got stars. They've got young stars right now to support the team. You need stars. When the UFC was at its peak, both times, like. 12 years ago 
And just a couple years ago, stars, Brock okay. Lesnar, GSP, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, John Jones. You need people that stand out that will prop up your brand. You know what? If you lose some of them to Hollywood, oh, damn, terrible luck. I guess you'll just have to pay them a bunch of money to come back to Saudi Arabia in 10 years. <laughs> like, what's that's the is that the worst thing that can happen is that somebody gets big and goes somewhere else? Has that. Okay, WWE's weathered every storm that's came before that. Yeah, I don't think that's the fear. I just think that Vincent Man, all he knows how to do anymore is generate heat with the heel. I feel like that's all he knows how to do and and make the good guys look like idiots week in and week in. Look at look the Viking Raiders. Yeah. They're over. They won. Mm-hmm. They have not lost. Yeah. They won and now when Eric picks up Ivar, every single time it gets a reaction. Yeah, and Ivar is a hell of a talent, man. Like a guy yeah. his size doing those acrobatics and stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, oftentimes, I always talk about how oftentimes stuff is spoon-fed to Vincent Mann, and then he just fucks it up because he just doesn't know any better. Uh, Ivar is a, is a good example. So is Otis from uh, from Heavy Machinery. That guy, all he has to do is shake his ass, and the crowd goes ballistic. Like, that's a guy that you could do something with. And that's on top of the stuff we always talk about, like Rusev Day and everything. But I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about the closing segment with Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt from Raw. And, uh, boy, we can go deep into this one. So I read some takes online about that finish with, uh, you know, burning down the Firefly Hunter House and attacking Bray Wyatt. I heard what you said on the post-Raw podcast uh, when you said you didn't have too big of a problem with it because that Bray Wyatt is kind of like Mr. Rogers as opposed to The Fiend. And I understand that mentality. I get it, right? I personally despised that finish. I despised it. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons why I despised it. The first reason is Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend has been arguably the hottest act in WWE, at least prior to Hell in a Cell, because he lost, he lost steam with Hell in a Cell, but he was the hottest act in the company prior to that. Firefly Funhouse was one of the hottest segments consistently on television. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, and again, not to shit on Vince McMahon, but he doesn't know his audience anymore. He doesn't understand his market anymore. If he did, he would have recognized Seth Rollins. They're turning on him. They're turning on him. Oh, they, they right? recognize it. And there were some plans in motion to kind of swap that around. Well, I, I watched that and I thought to myself, okay, they were smart enough to, that, that his promo was not in the ring. They were smart enough to not do that because he would have been shit on hard. They kept his promo backstage. That's fine. But Vince McMahon did not recognize that Firefly Funhouse is a hot act. Bray Wyatt is a hot act. People are turning on Seth Rollins. So let's have Seth Rollins be the one to attack Bray Wyatt like a heel would and burn the Firefly Funhouse down like a heel would. How did you think the crowd was going to respond to that? Of course they were going to boo Seth Rollins when you did that. I watched that and I thought to myself, that's the act of a heel. Is Seth Rollins heel now? Well, apparently he's not. And and again, I just watched that thinking, how do you not understand that? Now, I want to show this clip. This is from when Raw went off the air because they did a dark match after Raw went off the air between Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Uh, Brady, put up this clip that I sent you from that match after the show. That was courtesy of somebody called The Fiend on YouTube, Sean. 
And you know the first thing I Bray's thought, posting his own videos yeah, now? Yeah. You know the first wow, thing Wow, he can know, do it all. The first thing funny about that, because I know that you couldn't hear the audio. So the first thing funny about that, and this is just kind of wrestling fans, they all chanted burn it down with Seth when he was stomping his feet. Right? The fans chanted burn it down with him. But then as soon as he delivered the stomps, they shit all over him. Uh, because I think they're just like interacting and being part of the chance and stuff like that. They booed the hell out of him uh, in, in that match with The Fiend. And again, what kills me more than anything else, Sean, is that it seems like Vince Man has not learned anything from Hell in a Cell. I know we talked about, oh, Vince recognized it. He recognized it. He heard the crowd. I feel like he didn't learn a damn thing. Because well, n- number one, he's still doing the red lighting. All right. People hated the red lighting at Hell in a Cell. It was hard to watch it on TV, let alone watching it live. And they did it again uh, in that dark match. So he hasn't learned a thing from that. Number two, what did they do for Crown Jewel, Sean? What have they announced unless they change it? They announced a last man standing match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend, meaning that once again... I think it's Falls Count Anywhere, right? Oh, maybe it's Falls Count Anywhere. It might be Falls Yeah, you're right. Falls Count Anywhere. Which means that once again, they are painting themselves in a corner again... Because they are, again, putting The Fiend into a match with a stipulation that gives you limited finish outcomes or, or limited finish options unless you put the title on The Fiend. And, and as soon as they announced that on Raw, I thought to myself, how have you not learned anything? Well, from, from what I understand, at least speaking to talent, the original plan was a double turn. I just don't know when or if it's still in the plans. But, I mean, you talked about limited finish outcomes. Sometimes you just want... <laughs> unlimited finish comes oh come on yeah and you can come on anything you want when you use bluechew.com code fightful bluechew.com code fightful uh bluechew is the first fda approved uh chewable with the same active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know they work but they work a lot better why are they better? Because they get into your system a lot faster because they're chewable. Maybe you don't have time. Maybe you just got a small window to jump through. You can do it with BlueChew.com. And hey, that, that goes for your schedule too because you don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. It's prescribed online. It's shipped straight to your door. Discreet package. Nobody knows what you're getting. It's the best thing out there to get your penis erect. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it'll do the job at bluechew.com code fightful let me tell you it's the talk of the wrestling world and i have people that hit me up in my dms they go hey does this work and i'm like hey listen i'm not sending you a picture stop asking not again not again <laughs> stop being greedy okay three times Subscri- is enough Subscribe to Fightful Select for that like everybody else. <laughs> Bluechew.com, code Fightful. Get that first shipment free. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. And, I mean, if they're giving it away for free, you know they expect you to come back and pay for it later. But, my God, free, code Fightful. Hit them up at Bluechew. Let them know you heard about us or heard about them from there. It's practically us at this point. They're our <laughs> longest-running sponsor over a year now. I love those guys. But, um Speaking of guys, you can get rid of the blue chew for right now. I'm segueing into something else. <laughs> Denise Salcedo spoke to Sammy Callahan, who's got a big opportunity this weekend at Impact Bound for Glory. We went way past our interview time. Hmm. But, hey, take, take a look. 
And now, speaking of that, on October 20th, a sold-out Bound for Glory, you're facing Brian Cage. What would it mean to you to not only win the title, but also go into Impact's premiere on Access TV as champion? It's exactly everything that I've said I was going to do for the last two years. I, I quit another company. I created my own future. And right now, I get a chance to step up for all the people that aren't the status quo, for all the people that are the odd ones, for all the people that's always told no. Uh, I am not the guy people want to be the face of their company. People want people like Brian Cage. They want the big, jacked-up guys that looks like the wrestlers from the 80s. But I'm different. That's why I connect with people. And when I walk out on October 20th, the Impact World Champion in Chicago, the entire world's going to have to listen to me, and the entire world's going to be watching Impact Wrestling that much more because anything Sammy Callahan does turns to gold and equals ratings and numbers. Now, moving on, you know, on October 29th, every Tuesday, Impact on Access. What is it? What do you why do you think the fans should tune in to watch? Because we're the best professional wrestling product in the world today. I I think with everything I've said in this interview, like Impact Wrestling is hard to kill. And we are the edgy wrestling product that people have been clamoring for and begging for for years. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sammy. Guys, you I'm really good at interviews. Yeah, no, you're awesome. Killed it. Killed it. <laughs> All right, guys, don't forget, check out Impact on Access every Tuesday starting October 29th. Leave it leave it to Sean Ross Sapp to decide. You know what? In the middle of a two minute clip, I'm gonna go take a piss. Only Sean Ross Sapp would do that. And so I'm left here by myself right now because he's too busy uh, being unprofessional, urinating during a live podcast. So let me say one more thing about the Falls Count Anywhere match. Woo! That was not three minutes. Let me say one more thing while I'm covering for the unprofessional pissing Sean Ross Sapp. I had to piss. You know what, Jimmy? Sometimes when you're a, you're a, a fantasy football champion... You have the privileges that I have. That looks pretty nice. That probably cost at least a buck and a quarter. It's not too bad. It's like 40 bucks, I think. So uh, I want to say one more thing about the Falls Count Anywhere match because I look at that, you know, the idea of that match. Yeah, that's good. And like you said, uh, Sean, either they do a double turn, which would be good. Either they do a double turn or I think they've got to go with Bray Wyatt as the winner of this match. I don't think that you can you can beat him after you did the bullshit at Hell in a Cell. So I think Bray Wyatt has to win this match. But if they're going to beat Bray Wyatt, which they better not do, but if they're going to beat Bray Wyatt, you think there's any possibility that they might bring back that whole forklift skid finish from Mankind Rock empty arena match? Remember that? Yes, I do. Think there's any possible because that was a scenario where The Rock was not like too beat up to kick out. He was perfectly fine, but he was laying under a skid and a forklift, so he had no choice but to lay there for the three count. Maybe they'd pull that kind of crap on Bray Wyatt. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I just hope it's not another stupid finish. Yeah. Uh... he has to win. Like he's got to win. Uh, I want to say one other thing about Seth Rollins because we've talked about this before. His social media game is trash. God, it's so bad. And I really, really wish that he would just kind of figure shit out. I think that part of the reason that the live audience craps on him is because they see his social media. Because they're all plugged in. I think they see his social media and they see just kind of what a shill he is. uh, And that's one of the reasons they don't like him. Um, I understand his, his desire to defend his company. I get it. I defend his desire to defend his position. I get it. But he either needs to just – what do I always tell you off the air, Sean? I always tell you sometimes less is more. He, he needs to either not post anything 
or he needs to be smart about what he posts. Um, but he seems oblivious to some of the stuff that he posts. Here's an example from Twitter of what Seth Rollins said recently. You have that screenshot, Brady? Somebody, if you if you look down, somebody said, is the Falls Can Anywhere championship match between Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins going to end in a DQ? I mean, their Hell in a Cell match did. Seth had to respond, and he said, correction, it ended in a ref stoppage. When a body isn't moving, the official has to make the right call. That's the one you picked? Yeah, that's the recent that's one the I saw. That's the tweet you picked? Yeah. Not one of his that's like... Where like where Sasha like mocked his tweet and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm really excited to fight and all this stuff. Like, I never saw gets... any of that. I never saw Oh that. gosh. Like well, the reason, there, were, there were some the worse I, ones. Well, that. the reason I chose that one is because people number one, obviously they hated the finish of Hell in a Cell. They also hated the explanation. They thought mm-hmm. the explanation was stupid. Seth Rollins should recognize that. Even Roman Reigns did an interview and said, yeah, I didn't like the finish either. Seth Rollins should have understood that was a stupid finish and a stupid explanation, but instead he rolled with the storyline of it in a tweet, and I just thought, man, you, he, he, he doesn't have any Twitter game. He needs to figure it out, Sean. I agree. I completely agree with that. Well, good, because that's probably as good a segue as we're ever going to have to uh, <laughs> stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. All right, after this, after this, if you go to FIFOSelect.com, we will have the list goes on. We're going to talk about Tyson Fury. Fun fact, I won last year's Fightful Select Fantasy Football Championship. Congratulations. So uh, list goes on. We're going to talk about Tyson Fury. We're going to talk uh, some notes about AEW, and we're going to talk about Mike Bennett. So go to, uh, go to FIFOSelect.com after this, the list goes on. Okay, Sean. This first one, and once again, I tried to get some good ones. This first one reported by Yahoo News on October 8th. Now, I don't know if you knew this because I didn't know this, but for whatever reason, some airlines now are implementing in-flight messaging systems. Did you know that? No. So Virgin Atlantic has implemented an in-flight messaging system. And this is one of those things where on the surface immediately you got a question, how did somebody not recognize what a bad idea that was? But they implemented an in-flight messaging system. It allows passengers to chat with each other, and it shows their seat number next to their handle. Yes, so you can chat with other passengers. So what do you think happened to a woman from Atlanta named Jessica Van Meer on a flight? What do you think happened, Sean? Got sent a dick pic that they probably pulled from Fightful Select. All right, well, they can't do dick pics in the in-flight messaging thing. They can only chat. But, of course, she was sexually harassed by others on the flight. She posted screenshots to her Twitter account. Here's one. Put that up. It's kind of hard to see. Somebody... (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny. I just want to say, it's not funny. What's funny is the guy's name, Big Dick Swinger, and then Dirty Mike, who is not there with the boys. Not Dirty Mike and the boys, who like to... uh, screw around in Priuses per uh, my movie selections. But damn, 55C, you tidy, babe. Nice. Yeah. And, good, buddy. and then that one guy tried to be the hero by saying welcome to hell to the girl. But yeah. you know that he was probably really trying to use that to get in with the girl. 
White you know what knighting. I mean? Yes, yes. But I saw that and I thought, why? How is that a good idea? You're letting strangers, any beautiful woman that comes on the plane, you're letting strangers chat with her and harass her so, and bother her. So I'm guessing that it's like a public chat, like yes. just, yes. oh, man, that's yes. rough. Yeah, so what what does she do? Because I guess this is the one uh, bright spot of doing this. Because the seat numbers were listed, she went back to the seat numbers. And it turned out that it was a bunch of guys together. I think they were rugby players or something, and they were all drunk, but one of them wasn't drunk. And the one that wasn't drunk apologized on behalf of the other ones. But Good. it's just such a again. How do you not recognize how stupid that is, and that what's what the what what's going to happen? And of course that happened. So that was that. This next one, you'll like this man. This was reported by the Associated Free Press on October fourth. So a man from Russia. Hopefully I don't completely butcher his name. His name is Sapazat Gusnieva, is suing Apple for about a, a million rubles. Sean, why do you think that Mister Gusnieva is suing Apple for a million rubles? Oh gosh! Um, I like doing these open-ended questions. By the way, I enjoy. Yeah, it. I don't because I can't I react to them. What is it? Uh, he says that an, an iPhone app turned him gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even got a laugh at a Brady on that one. He says that he ordered Bitcoin through a smartphone app, but he was delivered a cryptocurrency by accident called Gaycoin. Uh, he said, along with the gay coin, there was a note that said, quote, and don't, and don't forget, this is all this guy, this is his claim, right? He said there was a note that said, quote, don't judge until you try. So what did he do? He took took that advice, and he decided to try a same-sex relationship, and now he has a boyfriend, and, he's, and uh, he said he doesn't know how to explain this to his parents. So it's Apple's fault, Sean. My, my, my favorite thing about this all is... It's like if he's doing this, he's probably got a lawyer, right? Uh, and, I, I assume. And the lawyer's like, so what do you think your gayness is worth? And the guy's like, ah, probably fifteen, sixteen thousand 16000 USD. That was going to be my next comment. My next comment was the good news for Apple is that a million rubles is equivalent to about fifteen grand US. I get $5,000. he will get nothing. Might, might get 5000 No, Apple's going to say sue us because yeah. the legal red tape. You and I have talked off the air. You know this stuff. Legal red tape Liberium for six months. He's not getting shit, but that's that. This last one, this is for the SRS file reported by the Daily Mail on October 3rd. Oh, Sean, you're going to like this, man. So there's a woman out of Brazil. Her name is Roberta. She posted a picture of a certain hairstyle on Twitter, and it went viral after it was retweeted by a blogger out of London, some woman named Stephanie Yeboa. Uh, why did that picture go viral? Her dick fell off. You're close. Here's a picture of it. Put it up, Brady. Upon first glance. Oh, yeah. You saw that one? I've seen it. Yeah. Upon first glance, a lot of people thought that it was an erect penis. Even though in reality, it's a woman sitting in a chair getting her hair done watching television. Yeah, it looks like a penis for sure. Looks like a penis. It for sure looks like a penis. She got a penis cut. I mean, (laughs) back in my day, if you wanted one of those, you had to go get a bowl cut. So it's amazing where technology has went. There you go. There you go. I guess one last thing uh, I'll talk about for listening, boy, this week, and then you can say whatever you want. AEW and TNT tonight, because we're doing this on Wednesday the 16th. So AEW and TNT tonight, they're in Philly. Uh, AEW title, it's a Philly street fight. Chris Jericho against Darby Allen. Uh, I applaud AEW for wanting to give young guys opportunities like that. Number one, it's too soon. Number two, I hate that they do street fight stipulations in matches with no build. 
And and that's just my personal opinion. They did it with Janelle and Moxley. They did it with Janelle and, and Omega. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, just my opinion. They're also doing a women's title, Riho against Britt Baker. Seems too soon to do a match of that magnitude, but uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against Moxley and Pac. And then they're doing two first-round matches in the AEW Tag Team Tournament, SCU against the Best Friends and the Jurassic Express against the Lucha Brothers. Lots of stuff with stakes tonight. Lots of stuff with stakes tonight, yep. And then I, I like that. Uh, Darby Allen, he went in that title, but I really dig Darby Allen's work. I got to see him when I was in San Antonio. It was really cool. I, I, I keep saying the way he does a suicide dive is how you should do a suicide dive if you're going to do it. None of that galloping through the ropes and leaning into somebody. Like I saw him and Janela do him. Amazing. I, I like the Janela Omega match. I thought that was really good. I, like the the stipulation was good because it, it promoted AEW Dark. You knew if you were getting that match, it was going to be something pretty pretty wild. And uh, I thought they did that well. There were some people that kind of have said, "Oh well, you see Kip Sabian in a six seven minute match with these people after he was in an eighteen minute match with Hangman Page." I agree with that. That Hangman Page match shouldn't have been so long. But as we know, as MMA fans, styles make fights. Uh, Michael Johnson is not a great MMA fighter, but he's beaten a lot of great MMA fighters. He can take them to the limits. Lando Venata is not a great MMA fighter by any stretch, but he almost beat Tony Ferguson. So different styles for different people. I kind of dig that. Uh, I, I As far as the street fights in these type of matches with no build, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you. I mean, they could just add that. They could just... I would rather them just like almost announce it as is or like as it happens. Like calling an audible. Yeah, like calling an audible. Yeah, like like, WWE used to do that. Like this yeah. is now a no DQ match. Yeah, yeah. Or Jericho saying I don't want any rules here. Yeah. Something like that. I, th- but I think I, maybe if maybe if they made Janela looked overmatched because Janela should be overmatched against Omega, so he uses a kendo stick, uh, and then they turn it into something. I want to say one thing about that Omega Janela match. Uh, and maybe I'm being nitpicky a little bit, but AEW prides itself on making sense and using logic outside the Young Bucks anyway. And so yeah. for that reason, I want to mention this. That match, they deemed it as unsanctioned, just like they yes. did with just like they did with Janela Moxley at Fighter Fest. What I didn't like about that is that it meant that in terms of win-loss records, Omega's win didn't count. And what I don't like about that is that they're doing the story where he's on a losing streak. That means that on television, they're going to continue to show his win-loss record and exclude that win over Janela. And I, to me, that's just too convenient, right? It's too convenient. So I'm not a fan of that. That tells me that whenever they want to do anything, any kind of a win, winning streak, losing streak, all they have to do as an out is do an unsanctioned match. You know what I mean? I agree. So, why, didn't, why couldn't you have just waited to do this match down the line? Right, right. Yeah, so I, Just, I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, let's talk about NXT on uh, on USA tonight. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa against Angel Garza. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Ciampa. What I like about Garza is his personality. I know he's a good athlete and everything, but his facial expressions and his personality is something that uh, that I, I think they have a lot of potential with with him. Uh, Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, that should be interesting. I Keith, love it. Keith Lee against uh, Dominic Dijakovic. Or Di- Dijakovic. Dijakovic, yeah. Yeah, interesting matchup. And then uh, Tegan Knox is back in action. She uh, is back from a knee injury that she suffered in the Mayon Classic uh, last year. Now, once again, with all due respect to Keith Lee, with all due respect to Pete Dunne, with all due respect to Tommaso Ciampa, uh, in terms of, you know, the casual television viewer, 
is that going to outdraw an AEW title match, a women's title match, two first-round tournament matches? I don't think so. You know what I mean? If uh, if NXT is going to get serious and if they are going to compete with AEW, they have to have those main card roster talents there. They have to. If they don't, they are dead in the water. Some people might argue that they're already kind of dead in the water. Uh, last week's rating was below the USA Network average, Sean, on Wednesday nights. That's concerning. You know what I mean? So if they're going to compete with AEW, they need to have main roster talents on the show. Otherwise, they're just dead in the water, and that's my opinion. And I think AEW has the much more noteworthy show tonight. Right, right. Yeah, it's very difficult. And again, they're, they're, they're kind of backed into a corner anyway because I think the wrestling fan base looks at it as WWE versus AEW. Uh, and they look at Raw and SmackDown being kind of on the level of AEW as opposed to NXT. So they're kind of already backed into a corner with that. But you can't, you know, advertise a lineup like that and expect that the, the say, casual television viewer is going to recognize any of those names and want to watch the show because it's just not going to happen. It's just not. Yep, I agree. That's all I got for you, buddy. Leave a thumbs up, guys. Make sure you guys subscribe. If uh, you just watch on YouTube, guys, we are on podcast platforms everywhere. And I mean everywhere. And I want to thank you guys. Uh, numbers have exploded for us over the past few weeks. I'm talking views subscriptions fightful select subscriptions yeah. i mean the growth i i would dare i say it's probably been the biggest couple of weeks that we've had we've like, done very well i mean our our youtube uh, subscriber count it's going up and up and up all the time like you said our youtube viewership is going up on everything fightful selects yeah things are going good man so to, people, today people are is, to hear about us today's the second most live viewed episode of this show we've ever done awesome awesome uh, behind the 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 page scandal week which was just numbers blew up through the roof right. um Shane Haas says, but my super chat, let me go track it down. Oh, by the way, uh, Manny Santos says, Luchasaurus is out, replaced by Marco Stunt. Yes, he has a hamstring injury. Oh, really? Sh- yeah. Um, Shane oh, Haas that's a says, bummer. That's a bummer. Shane Haas says, any idea what's going on with WWE in Japan? Rumors of a failed purchase uh, of Noah or working with New Japan. Yeah, I, I heard the Noah rumor. Yeah. And they have had meetings with Japanese companies several times over the last several years dating back to before the network launch there there were meetings with japanese companies i don't know what the deal is right now i am not in that loop but uh i will work to find out so and my then, oh, sorry let me ahead. just let me just say quickly so my opinion is that's a mistake mm-hmm. uh just from a business perspective and this is just strictly my opinion wwe is not going to compete with an established entity like new japan pro wrestling if they try to be a japanese wrestling company they are not going to compete with a New Japan Pro Wrestling. It has to be a WWE entity to compete because I think the Japanese fan base, they look at New Japan and they look at WWE as being very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that if they think, oh, we'll just buy Noah and then we'll just make Noah the foundation for uh, NXT Japan, that is going to be a massive failure in my opinion. That's not going to work. To me, yeah, I, I don't see it. Uh, Josh Steelman says, SRS, Jimmy. When are we getting those FWO shirts? I posted a, a Fightful World Order logo that somebody had made a while back. And Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I have a corporate lawyer. I'm going to ask him if we got the green light on the IP. Uh-huh. If we do, we will produce it. Yeah, we don't post a lot of like mock shirts, mm-hmm. Like really. We got the, the van up and stuff like that, but uh, we'll have them up. Also, I, I mean – I. I think we'll probably do a Sour Graps shirt once Alex's logo is done. That makes a lot of sense. Put a little extra 
Bucks and Alex pocket or something like that. But we, we've got plenty of designs up at shop.fightful.com. Check it out, guys. But hey, Fightful Select, right after this show, the list goes on. Till next time, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling.